Hello, and welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming you assuming that you out there in listener land know everything that there is to know about infield flies or on-field gymnastics. This evening, I am joined by my fashion twin over here. That's me. That's you. That's not you, Rachel. <laughs> That's Rebecca. No, I know. I'll sit in the corner. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll get you one soon. Rebecca, who are you? Hi, I'm Rebecca. <laughs> I'm your reluctant hockey correspondent. Uh, and Nancy and I are twinsies tonight in our WNBA bright orange sweatshirts. Can be seen from space. They're terrific. Mm-hmm. Everybody should get one, including Rachel, who is getting one soon. Yes. And joining us, we also have... Hi, I'm Rachel. I don't have the sweatshirt. Yes. Uh, working on it. Um, <laughs> I'm wearing a uh, uh, poor imitation Muppet skin fleecy sweatshirt of <laughs> roughly the same color, but it is not the same. It's a very nice cherry red, though. We'll give you credit for that. Yeah. Really? Anyway, yes. So I'm your baseball guru, just full of baseball these days. Baseball coming out my ears. As long as it's I'm just... happy to talk about it today. <laughs> coming out everywhere, I, I imagine. Uh, <laughs> and I'm Nancy. I am your erstwhile host tonight. I apologize in advance. I'm apparently rather slap happy because I am on vacation <laughs> from work. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I'm here to uh, mostly facilitate Rachel telling you about sports because tonight <laughs> we're talking baseball, y'all. It's going to be good. All the baseball. All the baseball. Every every last bit of it. So uh, I would say that I am your basketball enthusiast. I am still your basketball enthusiast, but there's no basketball right now. So, so I'm, you know. So you're less enthusiastic. I'm less enthusiastic. I am... Th- medium interested in baseball so you know we'll go with it (laughs) um but let's kick it off here we got a listener question rachel from yes a friend of the pod jess uh one of many jesses that we know and love actually i was gonna say which one because yeah Uh, canadian jess i think i i think i only know one canadian jess so we'll call her that Um, okay she's lovely I'm sure there are other Canadian Jesses, but this is the one that I know. Uh, this is a casualty of having all of us be born in the 80s, because Jessica <laughs> was a very popular name in our generation. Um, in any case, Jess is heroically going through and listening to our back archives. Oh, God. Oh, wow. Why? We salute you. Right? And... Joe, our editor, I have to say, there was a special shout out where she messaged me and was like, oh, I got to the bit where your production quality improves. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, we got an editor. And she's like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> so, oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, but Jess wrote in and said that she would like us to uh, uh talk about the infield fly rule. And I, I don't think this is a lack of knowledge on her part, because I happen to know she's a rather big baseball fan, but she thought it was something that we should explain in more depth. And I agree, because I know this is a thing that I have asked Rachel about before, um, because it makes no sense to me. So I don't think <laughs> I've actually even retained the explanation. So Rachel, tell us what the hell an infield fly is and what the rule about it <laughs> okay. has to do with anything. Well, first of all, uh, fly ball is uh, what it's referring to in, in the term infield fly. Uh, okay. Fly ball is just, there's no like height requirement for it. It's just a ball what's been hit up real high in the air. Okay. Um, it's, you know, opposed to a ground ball or a line drive that comes at you straight. Um, and then infield is basically the clay area. It's uh, the area where the bases are as opposed to the outfield. Uh, so there's sometimes a special uh, exception, one of baseball's special snowflake exceptions to the rules that of comes which into they play. Have many, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's a little bit like the English language in that there's <laughs> you know exceptions for everything. Okay. So when a ball is sometimes you'll hear popped up like a, mm-hmm. a pop fly, it's also called. Um, a ball is hit real high and land is landing in the area of the infield. Uh, the umpire will call, they'll say that the infield fly rule is in effect. Okay. And what that means is 
Okay, we got to take another step back. Sorry about this. <laughs> no, no, um, it's okay. Do we remember the rules for base running when the ball is hit in the air? No. Refresh our memory. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so if the ball is hit on the ground, you can just start running, you know, okay. uh, from base to base in, in order. Let's not get crazy here. <laughs> um, an important caveat. Yes. But when the ball is hit in the air and there's the potential that somebody could catch it, you have to wait to leave base until the ball has landed in the, the player's glove. So, right? so this only applies to people who are standing on first, second, or third, right? This is not the person who hit the ball. Right. The person who hits it just, just has to run to okay. first. Yeah. But if I'm, I'm standing trying on... to think if there's an exception to, for the batter running to first, and there probably is that I'm not thinking well, of. Let's but let's pretend I think, there's not. I think there's not. Okay. So so um, I'm standing on first, hypothetically, uh-huh. and yes. you're up to bat, uh-huh. and you hit a good one. Yes. Uh, and if I hit it on the ground, you go right away, because right. I'm running right behind you. You need to get to second base. Right. Um, but if it's hit in the air, mm-hmm. you probably want to hold up and wait at mm-hmm. the base. Um, because? Because if you uh, leave first base or any base to run before the ball is caught, mm-hmm. and then the ball is caught, the player who catches it can throw it to the first baseman who can touch base and, and get you out. Mm-hmm. So you have to either stay at base until the ball is caught or return to base and tap it with your foot before you can mm-hmm. keep running. So if it looks does like it have to be likely, a foot? It doesn't no. have to be a foot. Okay. It does a not. Body it is, part. It's, <laughs> yes. If you want to advance on to the next base after that, you probably want it to be your foot. But okay. no, they're definitely like if somebody hits a line <clears> drive and the batter hits a line drive and the runner thinks, oh, there's no way that, you know, the third baseman's going to catch that. They take off running. Third baseman catches it. Then the runner immediately has to turn around and flop back to first with whatever body part is closest. Okay, thank you. So no, it does not have to be your foot. But in general, sure, sure. you want it to it be It makes your more foot. sense for it to be your foot. Yes. And that's sometimes referred to as tagging up. You have to tag up on the base uh, when the ball is caught before you can keep on running. Oh, that's what that means. Yes. Light, light bulbs going on all over the place here. There's lots a- of uh, fun <laughs> baseball vocabulary so rachel for Mm -hmm. the purposes of this hypothetical (laughs) yes our listeners may not know this but rachel has a braid about the length of a (laughs) five-year-old so not the length of a five-year-old's braid but about no length of a five-year-old i know i thought it was important to clarify (laughs) that that's 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 an important (laughs) clarification yes yes it hangs literally to her knees and you know your your normal height um so if you were running a base and you managed to flop your braid onto the base before you could reach (laughs) it with your hand which i do think would be technically possible for you would that count? Would you be safe? That's an excellent question. Um, Do you consider hair think, a body I mean, part? I mean, it's attached. Yeah. And, like, uniform bits are considered are they? parts of the body. Like, if the ball, if the, the pitcher throws the ball and it, it scrapes by your uniform, doesn't hit your actual body, but, you mm-hmm. know, hits the fold of your uniform, you're hit by a pitch. And, okay. you know, we've talked about the, the baseball mitten that uh-huh. allows the... the uh, base runner like an extra inch and a half of mm-hmm. uh length there so i mean i would have to think yes yeah by that precedent i agree so yeah so really you should just grow your hair really long and then you can take a longer step away from first base uh-huh. to get a more of a head start <laughs> on the second it's true it's true I mean, (laughs) at that point, we'd have to be probably in like an instant replay situation where we have high def cameras all around Mm. to really uh, see what's what's going on there. But okay, so (laughs) call City of Berkeley and get them on that right away. (laughs) So okay, base runner has to tag up if the ball has been caught before they can advance to the next base. We okay on that? Sure. Yes. Okay. So when the ball is popped up into the infield, the base runner kind of has to assume that the ball is going to be caught. Um, 
this especially in like professional leagues you know Mm -hmm. where it's assumed that a person underneath the ball with their glove up looking at the ball is going to catch it now that's not 100 percent accurate but it's you know usually unless there's a you know something drastic and somebody trips the infielder's probably going to catch a pop-up um so Okay, trying to organize my thoughts here, because there's several rules going on at play here that make this mm-hmm. difficult to explain. So, um, in assuming that, the runner would have to stay back, right? And not mm-hmm. start running to... Uh, we'll go with uh, just a single runner on first in this okay. scenario. So, the runner would want to stay back at first and wait until the ball is caught before deciding whether or not to run. Usually in that situation, they're not going to run. They're not going to have time to make it to second before, right. you know, the ball could be thrown. Sure. Well, if the the fielder who's catching the ball in the infield were to look like they're going to catch it, but then drop it, let it drop on mm-hmm. purpose, the runner at first would have stayed closer to first base instead of running to second. And then all of a sudden oh shit, the play's changed. There's no catch. You know, I don't have to tag up now. I just have to get to second before mm-hmm. the ball does. Um, and it increases the possibility that the team on the field can turn a double play, right? So instead of, Wait. you know, you've, you've tricked the runner in first. Oh. Instead of them running onto second, just like they would on a, you know, a ground ball. Okay. Mm-hmm. You've tricked them into staying um, by first base, but then on purpose, let it drop. So instead of, this is in theory, instead of one out you'd get from catching the ball and you'd still have a runner on first, mm-hmm. you'd let the ball drop and uh, instead pick it up from the ground, throw it to second, then throw it to first, possible, possibly get a double play there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, for whatever reason, the baseball gods have decided that this mm-hmm. is an, an unfair charade mm-hmm. to attempt to perpetrate on the base runners. And uh, so when the infield fly rule is called, that means that the um, runner, that the batter is out, no matter whether the infielder catches the ball or not. Hmm. So that it takes away the possibility of a double play. Like essentially the the umpire is saying, okay, we're going to rule the ball as caught Mm -hmm. uh, even before the fielder catches it to... uh, take away the possibility of them, the, the team on the field, faking the, the base runner out right. um, and possibly turning a double play. The infield fly rule is only called when there's a, when there's less than two outs, because if there's two outs, it doesn't matter. You know, you get one out. Right. And there's no, nobody's play. trying to turn a double play on, on two outs. Um, because there are only three outs on in an first, inning. Yes. Mm-hmm. And a runner on, at least a runner on first. There may be able to be other base runners too. But um, if there's just a runner on second or just a runner on third, for example, there's no force play at at second and third. So the situation's not quite the same. So usually it's the uh, infield fly roll is called when there's less than two outs and a runner on first. Okay, so so go ahead, Clear as mud, I know. No, no, no. So the idea there would be... Because it was quote unquote caught, the runner on mm-hmm. first stays on first. Yes. And does not try to get to second. That's Correct. why that person doesn't get out. So instead yes. of that person running and getting out at second and then the batter getting out at first, just nobody moves anywhere. We just stop. And it's like a it's like a do-over with an extra out. More or less, yeah. I mean, I know that's not really what anyone who... Yeah, it's yeah, it's more like, okay, you know, the, we just assume the guy caught it, you right. know, kind of a thing. We all agree to pretend that. Yes, yes. And, and that's... you know, 99.99% of the time in pro baseball, that's what's going to happen. Right, right. So it's an easy catch. Do they call it before the player catches it? Yes, the ump will make the call while the ball is in the air. Okay. Yes. I'm not exactly sure what the, the just off the top of my head, the gesture or the call is, but you'll hear the, usually the commentator will say, and the ump is called the infield fly rule okay. while the ball is still in the air. Okay. So it has to be called. It's not a default. So like theoretically the ump could like space it or not realize what's happening and 
then it theoretically yeah but also this is a rule that has been in effect since these kids were in little league these kids Mm. they're they're kids they're kids even pro ball players younger than us children yes um so you know they essentially know when it's in effect and when it's not Mm -hmm. um and pretty much always act as though it is okay so even if the ump somehow you know was wool gathering and didn't think to call it probably it would happen yeah anyway okay yeah and again there's no you know (laughs) height standard for what counts as a fly ball (laughs) so you know a little bit but it's one of those you know when you see it kind of a things Mm -hmm. so nancy do you have other questions about the the infield fly because i have a different fly question I was about to move on to a different flight question as well. Okay. So you go right ahead. Okay. Because <laughs> at some point during the game, I heard somebody shout the phrase, a sack fly. And I thought to myself, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so, Baseball. Rachel, I'm going to need you. you thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to need you yep. to explain to me what a sack fly is. Okay, and I'll you know what I'll throw sack bunt in there for free. Oh, thanks. Um, Perfect. Both, yeah. Uh, so in that uh, instance, sack stands for sacrifice. So a sacrifice fly or sacrifice bunt, and sacrifice essentially refers to the batter doing something that's probably going to get them out in mm. order to advance the base runner. Okay. Um, and so and the the idea there would be that it's better to advance your runner. And maybe score a run, even if you take the out, than it is to get two runners going and maybe not get somebody all the way in. Right. Yeah. Okay. Points are better than no <clears throat> points. And it can also take away, you know, if you've got a runner at second and nobody at first, you've taken away the easiest way to get a double play. Mm-hmm. So, um, so a sacrifice fly is generally a fly ball that's hit real far into the outfield um, that's probably going to be caught. Uh, but it allows the time, the runner time after they've tagged up, after the outfielder has caught it and the, the base runner has tagged up to advance to the next base. And usually that means the, the ball has to be hit pretty far into the outfield because if it's hit shallow, these are guys with good throwing arms and they're mm-hmm. going to be able to get the ball into the infield pretty quickly. So it usually has to be hit out pretty far. Or, you know, if the runner's going from, say, second to third, you want to hit toward the right field to give, mm-hmm. you know, the longest distance between where the ball is caught and where the ball is being thrown. Right field being the side beyond first base. Correct. Yeah. Yes. From the batter's point of view, right field. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I'm batting and I whack it clear out past first base, even if whomever is in right outfield catches it, you on second have time to make it to third. Right. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't see a whole lot of that these days. Um, it, the, it's assumed nowadays that if the, the person has the power to hit it in the outfield, why are they not just trying to bomb it over the, the wall and get a home run and <clears throat> score two yeah. runs instead of just advancing a base runner? Um, so you don't see or hear that as much. Um, but it does happen. And, you know, it happens unintentionally all the time, of course. You know, somebody tries to hit a home run and just doesn't quite. But, um, you know, they... It, Advancing the base runner is generally considered a good thing. Um, and then some similar happens with a bunt. Um, and because we haven't seen, especially uh, pitchers hitting this year, because uh, we've all been playing mm-hmm. American League rules with mm-hmm. the uh, designated hitter, um, but pitchers will often, when pitchers hit, they will try for sacrifice bunts. And um, that is, again, deadening the ball with the bat so that it just kind of trickles up the first or third baseline, um, allowing the other runners to advance and um, making the uh, infield kind of scramble to throw the ball to first, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, so that's another instance in which the batter is very likely to get out, but somebody else is going to advance and that's ultimately yes. better for the team. Yes. And some <clears throat> some players can bunt and are so fast that they can get to first base, you know, regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, in that case, it's not called a sacrifice bunt. It's just regular bunt. Just regular um, bunt. Yeah. But so those, that's a, sack flies and sack bunts. It's a reg yep. bunt instead of a sack bunt. <laughs> reg bunt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like thank you. 
kind of sure. 70s cookie. <laughs> <laughs> a sack bunt pan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't okay, I don't so- want to see what that looks like. Nope. Ooh. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I have two questions. <laughs> actually have a lot of questions but i'm gonna (laughs) two of them are fit for the airwaves potentially so if so just a regular pop fly Uh is one that goes up and is gonna land in the outfield somewhere yep and if you're the batter and you hit that Mm -hmm. you run anyway yep because you're hoping the outfielder will drop it right Mm mm-hmm Okay. Yeah. So it's not, you don't have a choice. You can't, it's not like a foul ball where you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to do it again. It's probably not going to be a home run. So you just start running and cross your fingers. Unless, unless you're the Rays in game four. (laughs) We're getting there. We're getting there. (laughs) Well, I know, but you just set it up so perfectly. (laughs) So my other question, Rachel, is... Uh, our little softball league, which sadly did not get to play this year because plague, um, has a no bunt rule. Mm -hmm. Do you know why? Is it? Um, I mean, slow pitch softball, you don't, usually there are no bunts. Um, fast pitch, yes. Slow pitch, no. Um, it probably has to do with physics. I'm not really sure what the, I mean, you know, when you're a, a, kid usually you're focused on on hitting on learning how to hit mm-hmm. um rather than bunt and i don't know it's just i mean there is there's kind of that perception we've talked about it a little bit before in the unwritten rules that bunting isn't like real baseball or it's mm-hmm. not as honorable you know as hitting mm-hmm. um which it's i think in professional baseball i think is is just bs you know i think it's a a good strategic part of a game that forces the uh, defending team to be able to change up their strategy on a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I don't know about that. Okay. Um, it's, and there's also that perception that bunt, just bunting is just so easy and it's, it's it not. It doesn't seem like it would be actually. No. But okay. It does. I would say it takes a bit less skill, in, especially in slow pitch softball, because you're not slowing the ball down as much with your bat. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you can absolutely do it wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and in our league, our league anyway, be. the way the ball is dropping down, mm-hmm. you can't really do a proper bunt on that anyway. Right. Because it's, not coming, it's not coming flat. at you. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Rebecca? Yeah. I have a question that's part sincere and part tongue in cheek. So if a, <laughs> those are the best ones. If a bunt is considered like unmanly or whatever, does uh-huh. it is a sack bunt worse or because well, it may, that may just be my connotation because of the name or is it better <laughs> because you're doing the bunt but you're sacrificing yourself for the good of the team? Does that make you like more of a man? Yeah, I would say that the sack bunt is a little more honorable than the regular bunt. I mean, this is all like a little more bullshit on the bullshit kind of a thing at this point. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jess, I hope we answered your question for you. (laughs) And a lot of other questions that you didn't ask, I bet. (laughs) That's the theme of the pod. All right. So speaking of first base and uh, people on it, there is... (laughs) A player on the Tampa Bay Rays. Yep. And we have been watching this week the Rays versus the Dodgers. Yep. And we're, as a pod, for the Rays because we have a member of our our, uh, team here who is a Florida person and also fuck LA, standard pod (laughs) position. Um. So we've been watching the Rays, and the Rays' first baseman is a gentleman named G-Man Choi, mm-hmm. who we have decided as a pod we now stand. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Rachel, what can you tell us about G-Man Choi, and why is he amazing? Well, uh, first of all, um, so he has uh, only recently come to play with the Rays, just the past two years. Hmm. Um, and he bounced around a lot before that. He was drafted by the Mariners in 2010. Um, and then played in the minors for about five years. He played in, uh, I believe, in Korean baseball before that. Um, 
Is he but, Korean? Uh, yes, Korean yes, he is South Korean. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and he first uh, played in the majors with the Angels in 2016. And then, let's see, I did actually take notes. I expect nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> and Microsoft Word has frozen up. But Yay. okay, so Angels in 2016. <laughs> Here we go. Yankees in 2017, Brewers in 2018, signs with the Rays in 2019. So he's Poor bounced guy. around quite a bit. No yeah. Kidding. And he's also bounced around in terms of um, positions. I really? uh, started out in the outfield. Yeah. And um, at some point, I'm not entirely sure, started playing first base. Um, so he's kind of, you know, it's not, that's not, well, it's a little bit unusual, I would say, once you get to the professional level. Mm-hmm. Usually you're at a spot and at a position and you play it. Um, but he, with the Rays, has found success at first base, and um, I'll he say. is yes, and he is delightful to watch because first of all, he's just he's one of those guys that just looks like he's enjoying himself, and yeah, you know, always happy to be there, happy to be playing the game. And secondly, he is not afraid to execute the splits in order to catch a ball at first base. <laughs> Uh, you have you have you know certain strategies. You, we see Matt Olson, uh, who is 18 feet tall, mm. uh, stretching out to catch the ball a lot of times. But he does not sink right down into an elegant uh, gymnastic split in order to catch it. But uh, G Man Choi does, and uh, does it with quite a bit of flair, if you ask me. <laughs> um, and not only that, but a couple of times on the, the game we watched, mm-hmm. he caught the ball in midair. Mm-hmm. So he, which unusual for a first baseman anyway, because your job is mostly to keep your foot on the base, catch the mm-hmm. ball with your foot on the base. Right. But he, at least twice in the game, jumped up to catch the ball, mm-hmm. rotated in the air, came around and tagged the runner coming to the base. Because yeah. it was easier to do that than to get his own foot back on the base. Yeah, that um, was impressive. It was hell, amazing. I have to say. Yeah, Again, not something that, you're going to see Matt Olson do it's pretty like much a, at all. like a Broadway dance move. It's incredible. <laughs> and like, yep. I meant to look up how tall he is, and I did not, um, because I wondered if he's like compensating for being a short first baseman. Um, he's actually not. He's six <clears throat> foot one. Well, there you go then. See, yeah. and I wondered, because he didn't look particularly short, but he just has that instinct to like leap up, grab it, and then, as you say, like, he just swings his upper body around and, like, tags the poor schmo as they're getting, (laughs) you know, getting up to the base with his feet still a foot off the ground. Mm -hmm. Yep. really something. Yeah, and he jumped up to try to catch a line drive and basically did, a like, a cheerleader split in the air, too. That's true, he did. Yeah. Yeah. So So we have uh, very much enjoyed watching him play. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are we are now solidly part of his fan base. Yes, but yep. Uh, there were some other things, Rebecca. I know that you had brought up about him as well that we wanted to get into at least a little bit. Yeah, I mean, this wouldn't be our podcast if we didn't get out of sports just a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, we've made it. We've made it a half hour and I stayed know. entirely on sports. It's pretty <laughs> impressive. And, and really, I'm I'm actually not getting that far away from sports. Um, no, you're not. So I have watched less than one game of baseball in a very long time. So that's full disclaimer. And it was it was this game. It was game, whatever we decided, three of the mm-hmm. Rays-Dodgers yep. series. And so I saw the the splits and the acrobatics and the ballet, and, and it was really fun to watch. Because I agree with you, Nancy. He looks like he's having a great time out there. But one of the things that I kept hearing from the announcers and that I saw a lot of on Twitter, and actually I just found one of the tweets that we shared on our account, um, Mm. this two stills of one of him completely in a front-to-back split and then jumping up in the air and and tagging the other guy out. Um, A lot of people are saying that he is surprisingly athletic. Mm. And it jumped out at me because... We're watching the fucking World Series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it shouldn't mm-hmm. be a surprise that someone is athletic. And so I came to I came to one of two possible conclusions. And, and again, I think one is more possible than the other. Either he's surprisingly athletic because he's Asian or because he's mm-hmm. bigger than a lot of other players. Mm-hmm. And like every time I heard it, 
I was a little bit like gutted. Like it's mm-hmm. so surprising yeah. that somebody I mean, and it's it shouldn't be that surprising. I mean, if you've seen the like the sports illustrated body issue of some of the Olympians, they're not skin and bones. Like you don't have to be skin and bones to be an athlete. You have to have muscle mass and endurance and stamina. Mm-hmm. And so to call this guy who is a professional athlete surprisingly <laughs> athletic because he's not like cut. I was, I, it, it got to me is what I will say. Now, yeah. now, as I said, as I said to you guys offline or before, before the recording, I don't know if there's some other backstory there that like, he's got, he, he only has one real leg and one is a prosthetic. And in that case, (laughs) maybe it would be surprisingly athletic for somebody to be doing splits in the major leagues. Um, which is probably a terribly ableist thing for me to say. Um, but, you know, I don't know if there's some backstory there that might explain right. it. Well, I, I do think there are a couple other things going on there. I think you're probably right on the money as to, you know, some, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, definitely a little bit of racism in there because there's always, anytime you see a, an Asian or Asian American player in uh, the MLB succeed, there's still kind of a, like a wow factor there, like, oh, well, we didn't expect this. Like, why not? Korea and Japan have their own baseball leagues, yeah, you know, their own professional decades. systems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think there's some of that going on and, you know, some of the body type issues too. Um, I think there's also a little bit, first of all, that he's not been on anyone's radar until the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a little bit of the surprise too. Like, wait, we haven't heard of this guy. Where does he come from? Kind of a thing. Um, and I think there's also a little bit of that for a, a first baseman as well. Okay. Because um, not quite as much as like a pitcher or a catcher, but first base uh players aren't necessarily expected to be particularly agile, particularly flexible, particularly fast. You know, usually their job is to keep one foot planted and catch with the other hand. Hand. You know, whether that's... Yeah. So they have to have uh, hand-foot-eye coordination, but that yes. could be it. Yes. And that's probably, uh, you know, a little bit unfair to them. Just sure. like um, to pitchers, too. Uh, I don't know if you, you heard any of it in this game, but, you know, anytime a pitcher does something that isn't duck and cower at a ground ball that's coming right at them, uh, the announcers will remark on it about how, you know, this pitcher is an athlete or, you know, does something particularly athletic. And you're kind of like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, every um, every once in a while in, in hockey, the, the announcers will say, that that kid can skate. And I'm like, what? Because somebody <laughs> else can't? So I, I hear you on that. So if there's, yeah. if there's like positional reasons yeah i think there's a little bit of that but i i definitely think there's uh, the the greater reasons are the two that you cited um and uh, you know there is some of that kind of uh, body shape stereotyping in baseball like even though there are you know and a lot of times again you'll see pitchers like this who are bigger guys you know built I don't want to say like a brick shit house, but that's where my brain went. You know, just not necessarily the most nimble of guys. Somebody you might think was a football player, say. Solid upper body core. Yes, yes. Thank you. Kind of barrel chested, you know. Um, Uh Justin Bohr, who was the first baseman with the uh, Marlins. um, He was kind of like that, too. Um, Liam Hendricks is not a small dude. Yeah. Um, But even Justin Bohr, like, he was very, you know, clearly an athlete, very clearly strong. He hit very, very hard. Um, and he had t-shirts made up uh, that said fat guys rake. Rake is in hit the ball out of the yard. And like, he wasn't like in any really way fat. You know, he was incredibly in incredibly good shape. But he was, he had that you know, stigma more barrel in chested, more, Yeah, yeah. And he was clearly responding to some sense of something that's in the zeitgeist there. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think that's a, a you know an important thing to acknowledge in terms of of commentary and in terms of you know and I think I was probably even guilty of a little bit of being like oh wow you know it's kind of a surprise that this guy drops down into you know something you expect so, to see on the the balance beam. But, yeah. 
I mean, you know, that's my the, own I mean, bias that, coming into it. The players, any kind of player drop, any kind of player who's not a hockey goalie dropping into splits is legitimately <laughs> impressive, right? Yeah. Like, like that's, <laughs> put that one out there. Um, I, I expect the, well, in an ideal world, I expect the commentators to know better because they are supposed to know the players, right? They're supposed yeah. to know a little bit about every player and their history, where they came from, all this kind of stuff. So it shouldn't be surprised. Like, this is not the first time we've seen this guy. I mean, it's the first yeah. time I've seen him because it's the first game I've watched this <laughs> yes. season. But I'm not your typical baseball person. Yeah. And the one more thing I will say about that is, remember, we're, we're listening to national commentators here. We're not listening to That's the guys that follow the team all year. Um, and there that is, is always, point. you know, some people have issues with the national commentators coming in and yeah. you know because they do they will say mm-hmm. dumb things like mm-hmm. where'd this guy come from the people that watch the team all year are like really mm-hmm. really you couldn't bother to pay attention to him because he's not on the dodgers like no you're definitely right that kind of a thing yeah yeah i have experienced that i hate watching nationally televised games <laughs> because it's like yeah they can't pronounce the players names and mm-hmm. yeah oh mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. all right well so g man Choi is an excellent segue into this game that we all watched which was game Mm -hmm. three which was on friday we are recording on monday october 26th um we have game three four and five have now been played um but so we watched game three and Mm -hmm. and first of all i gotta apologize because i picked the wrong game for us to watch i didn't know this ahead of time but yeah. uh, game three was pretty dull game four was the the hopping one but let's let's talk about the, the one we all watched one. first yeah <laughs> we'll start with three and then we'll move to four it'll be a logical sequence of events so <laughs> so i tuned in at the bottom of the fourth um i don't remember why i think i was making dinner or something um and the dodgers were up 5-0 which was, yep, was not rough. promising it was rough <laughs> and I gotta say, the first thing that really struck me was that they had fans in the stands. Oh my god, yes. And it felt so weird. I was so uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and right? Especially yeah. because easily, I, I, I'll be conservative and say easily 30% of the fans were not wearing masks. Oh, sure, yeah. And I yeah. do, th- I mean, they were spaced out. I assume that they were sitting with family groups, but I'm like, the second you get up yeah. and go to the bathroom, still the too many people. You, snack, like, what? you have to yeah. walk down an aisle, like through through mm-hmm. seats to walk past people. Oh, I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, and we're all going to be a little agoraphobic after that. They this. played with the, um, the, the, Lid closed. the The top of the stadium in Arlington closes, oh. so technically it was an indoor game too. Um, which is the first uh, indoor sporting event we've had with uh, with uh, fans in the stands. So good job, uh, baseball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good old baseball. Love that so, yes, imaginary I, hat. I do not think that having fans in the stands was a good idea, but they did. I would be yeah. interested to see. I haven't seen any any um, uh statistics on this but you know how many were dodgers versus how many were rays um which i think Mm. it's pretty frustrating because the dodgers just have a bigger fan base um more people Mm. who are able to travel you know more people across the country you know the rays are pretty uh, local team in that most people outside of florida don't care a whole lot Mm -hmm. um which is unfortunate. And I think that's, you know, See, that's kind of worked against them in this weird season in that they don't have a home games at their home stadium with a, you know, crowd full of cheering fans. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting because I had kind of assumed, so they're playing these games in Texas, right? Yes. Uh, and I had kind of assumed that um, probably mostly it was locals and, you know, maybe you have, like, Dodgers local fan, like, local Dodgers fans and local Rays fans, but I figured most of them are probably just people who want to go see a World Series game and were like, well, shit, it's in town. I guess I'll go. It's kind of what I thought as well. I but doubt I did it. see I mean, signs. Being on for- some MLB mailing lists. Yeah, being on some MLB mailing lists, I know they were advertising, like, get your tickets to the World Series. We're only selling a limited number. So, I mean, my assumption, mm-hmm. again, I don't have statistics on this, so I don't know if it's accurate or not, but this, these were people of means who really, really wanted to see 
uh, their team play, and that was mm-hmm. probably mostly going to be Dodgers fans, people who could travel. Like I, my my assumption, it may just be different assumptions yeah. here, was not that necessarily that they were local, uh, just fans of baseball in general. But I don't know. Interesting. Um, so another question I had, and Rebecca, mm-hmm. jump in if you have any that that um, that stood out to you. So at one point they said. Um, Somebody was KO'd. Now, I know what that means in wrestling. What does that mean in baseball? Um, I mean, you don't hear that a whole lot. Uh, it's probably a uh, um, a strikeout is usually referred to as a K. Um, but yeah, KO'd or, or like mm. punched out. So You'll sometimes here usually means strikeout. Okay. Yeah. You don't sense. hear that a lot, but yeah. It just caught my attention because I was like, wow, this is, I mean, I, I knew this in context in something else, but not in this particular So sport. one of the things we did, yeah. or I mean, I suppose about... clunked on the head with a baseball and knocked out, but <laughs> hopefully not. I don't think that happened in this game. <laughs> no. So one of the things we talked about a little bit during the game was I was hearing somebody saying, yes, he did. And no, he didn't. And Rachel, you said that that was whether or not mm. the batter had officially st- swung at the puck. Jesus, had they swung at the puck, had they <laughs> swung at the pitch, um, yep. is that, is the person who's making that call the umpire? So uh, the, it is an umpire. Um, in theory, you want the umpire who's behind the plate, the, the one who's calling balls and strikes, to only be looking at the ball as it's coming over the plate, right? Okay. You want that to be where that person's focus is. Um, and so, you know, sometimes it's obvious when the, the batter has swung the bat and missed, then the umpire doesn't have to consult anybody else to ask. But it's it's not the job of the home plate umpire to watch the batter's bat. Okay. Um, that's the job of the first or third base umpire. Oh. So the home plate umpire keeps the eye keeps their eye on the ball. And the first or third, depending on the handedness of the batter, so for the uh, third base umpire for a right-handed batter and the first base umpire for a left-handed batter, keeps their eye on the barrel of the bat, the thick part of the bat. Okay. And um, so they're the one who's supposed to make the call as to whether that was a swing or not, what the batter did counted as a swing. Okay. So if there's any question about it from the home place, Yes. If you stop your swing before it gets, what is it, like past your shoulders, then it doesn't count as a well, swing? Well, that's another fun issue because there's really no like hard and fast rule about what it is. It's oh, like what really? whatever the umpire oh, thinks God. that counts as a swing or not. Um, it's Ooh. usually in, in pro ball, you hear it talked about as like the barrel of the bat has, and I, now I'm doing this and nobody can see <laughs> me doing it. The, the, the tip of the bat has not come around to other the other side you know the the tip of the bat has not crossed the plane of the rest of mm. the bat does that it's make like any sense no at all full extension yeah 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 and again that is a pretty big gray area um and in different leagues you can even hear different rules i remember in in my fast pitch softball it was whether or not the barrel of that has crossed the um the line to first or third base mm. mm-hmm Okay. Um, that was the Which standard. Which would be a similar thing as a full extension of the bat. Because right. if you're standing sideways on home plate, then theoretically you hold the bat and your arms out straight in front of you. You're going to be shooting it straight down the yeah. baseline. Okay. So you want the, the other umpires to be making that call, not necessarily the home okay. plate umpire, because that's the guy who's supposed to be focused on balls and strikes. Now, is that something you can normally hear during a a TV broadcast? Or is that something that we could hear because there were no fans? Or few fans? Too many fans? Well, something interesting about this game, about this World Series in particular, I don't think they're using fake crowd noise anymore. Um, I think they're just using, because there is crowd Mm -hmm. noise, but it's not very loud. I think they're just using what's actually in the, the stands. And that's been really interesting because I've never heard that much you know, yes, he did, or no, he didn't. Or um, a lot of umpires will call if the the uh, pitch is a ball, they'll say outside or you know mm-hmm. too high or mm-hmm. too low or you know something to give a little bit of a little bit of helpful feedback to the pitcher uh, in case they haven't figured out what they're doing wrong. I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But that's been a really interesting thing about this World Series is hearing a little bit more of that chatter yeah. on the field from the umpires. 
Yeah, I, I mean, we had that. Of course, I'm going to draw everything back to hockey, but we had a bit of that in hockey as well, because um, you could hear <laughs> the you could hear yeah. the players yelling to each other in the ice. And you kind of don't realize how much they yell at each other until there's no crowd noises. And actually, one of the things I noticed with hockey was if you watched right. on NBC, they had the like um, ice level audio scrambled. So there were times when it sounded hmm. huh. like what was the words on the ice were coming in backwards. And and I'm sure that's because they were trying to avoid FCC fines and whatnot. <laughs> um, so frequently I would switch <laughs> yeah. to the Sportsnet Canadian feeds so I could actually hear everything. Because hearing that scramble just it threw me off every single time. So I, I do. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I think sense. it's a really interesting side effect of sports during a pandemic yeah so rachel i have another question Mm -hmm. at some point one of the commentators said quote there's a difference between a starter and an opener referring to the (laughs) yes what the hell does that mean i heard that too okay same question well we didn't um (laughs) so a, a starting pitcher is kind of the traditional um scheme for pitching in the major leagues that's you have a rotation of five guys who are your starting pitchers um Mm -hmm. and uh, come in first inning beginning of the game fresh you probably want Mm -hmm. them to pitch about five or six innings at least and then Mm -hmm. you bring in guys from your bullpen your relief pitchers okay so what has happened over the past few years and we haven't seen it um maybe what there was one in game two but uh, another strategy, because while having a starting lineup like that is the norm, it's not really the rule. You don't have to do that. And sometimes okay. you'll see uh, what are called bullpen games where every pitcher gets one or two innings and then they, they put in somebody else. Usually you're trying to rest your starting, starting pitchers at that point. But another strategy is to use an opening pitcher, which is to use a, uh, a pitcher for just the first one or two innings then pull them out, and then put your starting pitcher in. Hmm. And the reason you do that, there's a couple reasons that you might choose to do that. Um, first of all, your your opposing team sets their lineup based on whoever's pitching in the first inning, right? So whoever's mm-hmm. announced. Um, and if it's your starter, then that's who's announced. And if it's your opener, that's who's announced. Um, and so, it, but if you've got, uh, say, an opener who's... Uh, a right-handed pitcher who pitches in a certain type of way. Uh, some teams will choose, even choose different lineups based on the handedness of the pitcher that they're going to face. Um, the okay. the Dodgers do that a lot because they have a lot of moving parts in their lineup where they can, you know, kind of sub people in and out, put them at different positions, um, and they just have a lot of uh, hitters who are very, very good. So the team will set their lineup based on the first pitcher in the first inning. Well, then, you know, if you you pull that pitcher and put in, say, a left-hander with a completely different pitching mechanic, you force the other team to either start swapping their lineup around or face a pitcher that maybe they're not the best at hitting off of. So that's one reason to do it. Um, Another reason is to make your starter go later in the game. So theoretically they're still pitching five or six innings but not the first five or six innings they're pitching maybe Mm -hmm. two through seven or eight um and uh so that you can keep your your good starter in and keep their arm a little bit fresher into later innings so your starter isn't necessarily a starter they're just they're like your your main pitcher for the game yes okay but 90 percent of the time they start which is why they're called starters yes right um, and the uh, the Rays have actually experimented more with opening pitchers, I think, than a lot of other teams. Um, I don't know if it's as much this year as last year, but they've definitely done that. Um, there's some pushback on it. I'm sure there are more strategies than this, this, those two. Those are the two that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, of course, some pushback because that's not the way that we've always done it. <laughs> um, it... it <laughs> It anything that uh, messes with statistics, even a little bit, people start getting weird about. Um, so <laughs> well, it kind of truth. like, <laughs> yeah, 
anything you they start saying oh you're comparing apples to oranges if you know you're you've got your starter going into late innings you know you can't really compare um an opener versus a relief pitcher that kind of thing um so there is a little bit of pushback against it and as you can see it hasn't been adopted league-wide it's still something that teams just kind of play around with from time to time um but it's just a, a different way of uh structuring your your pitching staff during a game okay does that make sense Yes. Yes. That's good to know. Rebecca, did you have any other questions or comments about Game 3? Uh, no, I did not. All right. I'm going to make one final observation, which is that Will Smith is another one of those big guys who has a really weird batting stance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's just coincidence or if that's a thing, but it cracks me up every time he holds the bat like a toy and like waves it around in the air like he's a toddler. And it just... Yeah. Uh, Wendell on the Rays, was he playing in game three? I don't know if you remember. Um, I don't. But he has a... he He's one who gets real low and sticks his butt out. Oh, cute. That's a fun one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's hilarious. All right. Uh, so... We did watch game three. Perhaps we should have watched game four. <laughs> Rachel started blowing up my phone. <laughs> like, I through it going, holy shit, what's going on? Um, so, Rachel, would you like to tell us what was going okay. on? <laughs> well, first of all, say for comparison in game three, uh, as, as Nancy kind of alluded to, mm-hmm. the uh, Dodgers jumped out to an early lead. Yep. Um, and the Rays... Had a couple of opportunities to come back, but they didn't. That's kind of a, a little bit of a pattern for the Rays. They, if they get an early lead, they can typically hang on to it and win the game, but they have a little bit of trouble coming back. They're not as good offensively as the Dodgers are. They're not a huge run-scoring team. I think they have more uh, wins by one run throughout the season than any other team in baseball this year. Hmm. Um so game three was kind of that pattern. The Dodgers got a bunch of runs early. The Tampa Bay couldn't really do much in retaliation. So it was just not like a super exciting game. Well, game four rolls around. And uh, I think the, the early innings were um, a little blah. I think the Dodgers got three runs. Well, then the Rays start coming back. Um, but then every time the Rays tie it or move ahead by one, the Dodgers come back the next half inning and score one or two runs. <laughs> and so the lead actually changes hands a couple of times, you know, making for a slightly more exciting game. There was just more <laughs> offense in that game. And, um, you know, Tampa Bay had some life to them. It was Their offense was just a little yes. dull on, uh, on Friday night. Um, which, yeah, I mean, you never know what team you're going to get coming in. So had I known, of course, I would have us watch uh, Saturday's game. So it, it ends up being a pretty long game because there's quite a lot of hitting going on on both sides. And uh, we get to the bottom of the ninth inning. So it's already been a charge game. The lead has gone back and forth. At this point, uh, Tampa Bay's the home team, so they're up to bat, bottom of the ninth inning. They trail by one run. So the score is 7-6 to six Dodgers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they uh, they get... I don't know if they get one or two outs first, but it's it's not looking great for them. You know, they've they've done pretty well throughout the rest of the game, but their their chances are narrowing down. Um, but then their leadoff hitter uh, gets a walk, so gets a gets to go to first base for free. Uh, or no, I think uh, somebody got a hit. I think somebody got a single to start it off. So uh, with two outs, you've got one runner on first base, and then you have coming up to the plate Randy Arozarena. And we haven't talked about him yet on the pod. I've tweeted a little bit about him. He oh. is uh, a rising star for the Rays. Yeah, I he feel like was I saw him good. in a game where they played the A's and, and noticed him then, too. Yeah, he um, he is... Well, he wouldn't... You wouldn't have seen him against the A's because he's a okay. rookie this season. And oh, okay. they haven't played... They haven't... Because of the weird, you know, thing... Because mm-hmm. of the plague, they mm. haven't played each other yet this year. Right. Because um, of the weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something else was going on in my brain just then, and it didn't come out right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, but, and he was okay during the regular season, but he has just exploded in the postseason. He okay. already has the record for most home runs and most hits for a rookie, maybe for any player in the postseason. Wow. Um, so he has just been, yeah, crazy, crazy good. Um 
And so he gets up to the plate. So everyone's excited, right? If the Rays have a chance to win, it's this, right? You've got a runner on first. You've got a Rosarena up to the plate. If he can crush the ball, get it out of the park, you know, that's it. That's a spectacular ending. So everyone's, you know, holding their breath for that. Um, well, he gets up to the plate and, uh, the Dodgers could have chosen to walk him and they didn't, which of course every Dodgers fan is, is freaking out. <laughs> yes, Nancy. So backing up. Um, yes, the Dodger, the, the Rays are the home team, which means they're up to bat in the bottom of the ninth, which is ostensibly the last, uh, half inning, right? Yes. If they then score two, putting them up one, it's, it's sudden death, right? The game just ends. They can't just If they score one run. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, if they score one run and tie the game and the inning ends, the game keeps going because we can't end in a tie. Right. If they score two or more, the game just ends automatically because it, you know, the other team doesn't have a chance to come back and score more. Right. Okay. And we don't just let So them that's keep the situation we're in. Points. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So that's we need one run to tie, two runs for a walk-off win. So Arozarena comes up to bat and they pitch to him. They don't walk him automatically. But they Essentially, they're the closing pitcher for the Dodgers, who's, of course, really, really good um, or, or has been in the past. He's been shakier lately. Um, he he walks a Rosarena. Um, not on purpose, but one of those kind of not on purpose, on purpose walks where he's not just really not giving any, him anything in the strike zone that he can really crush. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's probably the smart way to go. Right. Mm hmm. So then everybody kind of goes, oh, okay, well, Arozarena, he's on base now, great, but he didn't get a hit. He didn't get his his big moment. So um, you got runners on first and second. And this is the end of the game, and they've Rays have run through every pinch hitter they have at this point. And the last guy they have is a guy named Brandon Phillips. I hope I'm getting that right. Um, and the reason I, I'm not quite sure is because I don't think many people have really heard of Brandon Phillips. He's uh, he's on the Rays. He's a professional baseball player, you know, in the same way that everybody in the league is. But, you know, nobody really knows his name. He hasn't had it at bat since like mid-September or something. He's not one of their starters. He doesn't play very often. But at this point, it's all hands on deck. We want to see what he can do. Sure, why not? And, you know, it's... Just has so happened to be that he gets the at-bat, two outs, bottom of the ninth, they're down by one. No pressure. No pressure. So he gets up and gets two strikes. Uh, I don't remember if they were called or swinging, but at this point I'm drawing it out enough. So uh, <laughs> I'll just get to the point. So with two strikes, two outs, bottom of the ninth, this Joe Schmo, bless his heart, he hits the ball. He hits a ball to shallow right field just enough so that it's over the infielders, but it drops in front of the outfielders, drops in for a hit. Well, this is great because now you got the runner on second who is, is, doesn't have to tag up because they're two outs. So the runner on second can just go run as fast as he possibly can, come around to score the tying run. Great, right? You, you gotta, you well, gotta mention the outfielders though, cause. Oh, yes. Oh, I think she's about to. She's building. Yes. Okay. So, She's Chris building Taylor his suspense, in the Nancy. outfield. Sorry, the, <laughs> the hit falls in front of Chris Taylor, who's who's playing right field at this point, and he comes in to get the ball. Should have been an easy grab, right? It wasn't hit mm-hmm. that hard. Um, mm-hmm. It you know it was coming right at him. Now, do you remember if it bounced off his glove or if he kicked it? Because I should have looked that up, but I just all I know is it looked the ball like got away from him. It. Yeah. it did. Yes. It looked so like something of just... I would have done when I played outfield. He didn't kick it. <laughs> he he got it with like the fingertips of the glove and then it flipped away. And then it, okay, yeah. So he fumbles this fairly easy play, which allows uh, Arozarena, who was on first, the runner on first. Now, remember, he's a power hitter. So he's not a guy who's supposed to be real nimble on the bases or real fast. Um, well, he gets from first to third. So he's surprisingly he athletic? Mm-hmm. Surprisingly athletic for a man who's hit more home runs in the will, postseason than as anyone else. he will go on to prove further in the next minute yes. or two. Yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, probably the third base coach, tells him, oh, you can keep running. You know, the outfielder has fumbled it. You should, you know, go ahead and 
run your heart out, get to home base, score the winning run. So he tries. But as a Rosarena comes around third base and rounds towards home, he slips on the grass in grand fashion. Mm. He not only stumbles to the ground, he officially goes ass over tea kettle and does a full somersault mm. on the base path between third and home. And at that point, every Rays fan has grabbed their pearls and is horrified <laughs> because and is screaming at the by TV. that point, yes. By that point, of course, the outfielder Taylor has recovered his ground ball and has thrown it to the catcher. And he throws a great throw to the catcher right mm-hmm. on target. Uh, the catcher, Will Smith, gets the ball and then whips around with his glove because he, he didn't see a Rosarena stumble. He think a Rosarena is still, you know, charging head on about to slide into home. So he slings his glove hand around as fast as he possibly can to try to make the tag, but he doesn't have a good grip on the ball. So when he slings his arm around, the ball shoots out of his glove and goes toward the backstop behind home plate. This gives Arozarena time to scramble back up to his feet and then run toward home plate, diving in head first, smacking home plate with the palm of his hand and getting the winning walk-off run for Tampa Bay. It was bananas. It was amazing. I had to watch this video like five times. The most improbable series of events with, first of all, the, you know, the schmo getting the unexpected hit. I'm sorry. I, I feel bad for this guy. Brandon Phillips. I will stop calling him the schmo. He was just. <laughs> I think it's Brett. He is, a, is it Brett? Could you, you look this up, Brett? please? Yeah, I'm going to yeah. feel terrible if it's his one chance <laughs> in the spotlight and I mess it up. Is it Brett Phillips? She worked. Uh, yes, it's Brett. <laughs> okay, Mr. Brett Phillips, I apologize. I apologize what? to you, sir. I did not mean to get that wrong, and you did your team a great service that will be talked about for a long time. Anyway, first of all, <laughs> and he he's only twenty six. Yeah, he so he gets a hit against this great pitcher to start things off. Then the Dodgers outfielder fumbles it. Then Arozarena somersaults on the baseline. Then the catcher throws the ball away. Then a Rosarena runs in to score. It was just, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing it justice here. But it was just you crazy. Are. And it's like the, the reason that you watch baseball. You know, it's a, it's a weird game. It's occasionally a slow and dull game. But you watch it because these totally banana pants, bonkers things can happen at the last minute to completely change the game. And... It was just one of those moments, you know? Um, yeah, I and love it. I, I am, love when sports are so unpredictable like that. Oh, mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I retweeted an article um, on Sports Illustrated that, was, that, that kind of really broke down all the imp- totally improbable things that had to happen in order for that to, to happen. And uh, one of the, the ending paragraphs, the, the writer said, um, you know, you watch sports. For, there are a lot of good reasons to watch sports, but there are two main reasons. You watch to see like divine incidents of athleticism and the possibility of people falling down. Yep. And you got both of those things <laughs> with this play. Accurate. So, yeah, it was just, you know, one of those things that I'm I'm so glad I got to see live. And, you know, even though I don't really have a huge investment in the Rays necessarily, I, you know, just, you just love to see it. And it was great. Yeah. Um, I loved the, the LA Times headline the next day, <laughs> Rocky Pitcher Horror Show. Yes. Yep. That was yep. so good. It was so good. Somebody's been saving that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rachel, that was game four. Game five is tomorrow. Uh, Game five was last night. Game five was last night. Game six is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's currently Dodgers three, Rays two. So the Rays have to win the next two in order to win. Correct. Yeah, they've uh, they've been trading back and forth. So Dodgers won all all the odd-numbered games, and Mm -hmm. uh, Rays have won all the even-numbered games. Time to mix it up, Rays. Yep. I know. They need to. Well, not too much. They got to keep the pattern for this game and then mix it up next game. Yeah. Sorry. I, it took me a second there. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to make any predictions because, of course, you never know what's going to happen. Um, 
But it's the really frustrating thing about all this is, and I hate to say it out loud, but I'm going to because I have to. The (laughs) Dodgers are a good baseball team. They play well, you know, and much as it pains me to say, I got to hand it to them. They are a lineup of great hitters. They, you know, even when... Tampa Bay is leading. Sometimes it feels like the Dodgers are kind of in control of the game and it's theirs Mm -hmm. to either win or lose. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, you know, I can't fault them there. I can fault them in other aspects, but uh, it's, uh, it's been good baseball. I have enjoyed watching all the games. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. This is, I mean, this is the season finale. Do you know what happens next? I mean, spring training normally wouldn't be until March anyway. So they've got a little breather, I guess. Yeah, I mean February is when it starts. Oh, okay. um, yeah, I I don't know how they're gonna do all of that. You know, I don't think they've really made any announcements. I think everybody's just kind of holding their breath that they get through the end of this without any more teams getting the plague. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know. I'll uh, I'll report on that as I know, as I find out. All right. Well, any further thoughts or comments on? Baseball, the World Series, the Rays, G-Man Choi, Arena. <laughs> I hear raining silence. So with that, I think I will say that we will check in on the results of the season finale of baseball in our next episode. And in the Sounds meantime, good. Rebecca, where can people find us if they want to? Son of a, you think that I would get this ready. <laughs> Instead of every single time being caught off guard. But see, if you did, we'd be off brand. Yep. (laughs) I'm not sure I want that to be my brand. Actually, Um, that's a a filthy lie. Because in fact, for like the first 23 episodes of this show, you had it just down every single time. It's only like the last two that you've been caught off guard. I know it is. And thank you for letting me vamp so that I can now tell you (laughs) we are... (laughs) At foulpuckpodcast at Gmail, foulpuckpodcast on Instagram. Um, our website is foulpuckpodcast.net. All the other places are foulpuckpod. Um, and we we love hearing from people. We love getting listener questions, comments. If you want us to watch a game with you, let us yeah. know. Yeah, doesn't, we'll do it. Doesn't even have to be a thing we watch. Nope. We'll watch anything. <laughs> Well, okay, maybe not anything, but most things. I'll watch, we'll watch a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, between the between all of us, it's probable the, your that odds we'll watch. Are good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, I would like to thank uh, Joe, our editor, for making us sound like we know what we're doing. <laughs> and uh, it's not I would a small like to thank. Task. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for our music. And I would like to say, if you are listening to this podcast and you enjoy it even the tiniest smidgen, or you think you might know somebody who would enjoy it, uh, please, you know, tweet about us, uh, follow us on social media, or even better, go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and maybe a little review comment. We're also on Spotify now, which is super exciting, so you can subscribe to us there too. Does Spotify do like ratings and reviews? I don't even know. I'm going to say yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, well... (laughs) Clearly, we're all on Spotify. You, you <laughs> I, mean, Spotify. I know you can at least subscribe on Spotify. You can subscribe on Spotify, yeah. So do that. confirmation from Joe. Thank you, at Joe. At least do that. Um, and in the meantime, we're going to sign off, and you will see us next time. I have been Nancy. I'm Rebecca. And I continue to be Rachel. And we will see you next time. <laughs>